five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Friday morning? I guess we're just about 24 hours away from a day. So it's a pretty good day, man. How are you doing? It is always a good day when I, uh, you know, too much, uh, too much, you know, personal information for people that tune in just to listen to, to football talk, of course. But this morning, you'll be interested to know that uh, I, I do this early morning uh, walk, jog around campus with the wife every morning, pretty early. And I can tell you it's a better day when I do that walk and there are SEC network trucks parked outside the stadium setting up and a lot of activity around the stadium and roads blocked off. And it's like, finally, we're alive again. Yeah. It's been a while since what, January? I mean, I guess it's the last time we saw Alabama on a football field, um, unless you were able to go to the scrimmage last weekend, which I was not able to. You weren't there. So this is going to be our first opportunity to see Alabama on a football field. And I'm pretty excited about it. Lots of storylines, lots of speculation and things that people have been trying to analyze, but there's only so much you can get from a picture or a short video clip. And so we're going to get a lot of answers. We're not going to get all the answers and the answers that we do get are not going to be finalized. Like what you see tomorrow is not going to be what you're going to get against MTSU, you know, come week one. But I think that a lot of the speculation and things we've been wondering about will start to get some clarity on that. And I think that that's pretty important. Absolutely. It's real luck at the football. It's a big deal. There are always extremists when it comes to every issue. And the extremists that's like, it's practice. Y'all make too much of this. I don't want to see it. There's nothing to see. There's nothing to learn. It's all vanilla. That's just all wrong. Then why do the coaches take it so seriously? Because they do. Now, those that want to think they can learn those that think they can watch A-Day and predict exactly what the record will be this fall or those that, that want to see all the changes that Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele have made, y'all are wrong too. You're not going to see a ton uh, of new stuff. Uh, you're not going to be able to determine what the exact score of the Alabama-Texas game is going to be. Uh, it is practice, and they know that other teams will watch this and – for that reason alone, they're going to keep it pretty bland and not trot out a lot of the new stuff. It, but but it is still Alabama. It's a great look at the new players. And it is a real test that will be a significant data point in the determination as to who the starting quarterback is going to be this fall. It, it's, hey, one guy could have a huge day and the other guy have an awful day. And whoever has the, the awful day might be the starting quarterback next fall. It, it's not determinative. It won't decide the race. But it is a data point. They, 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 you know, they testing these quarterbacks every day in every way possible. This is a big test. Jimmy, who's going to be the backup? I wouldn't even necessarily say backup. Who's going to be going on the second team offense? Who's going to torch the defense? We saw it with John Mechie. We saw it with Ajayi Hall. We saw it last year with Christian Leary. Who's going to be that guy tomorrow that everybody's going to create a ton of buzz about? Now, granted, John Mechie ended up being a very good receiver for Alabama. But that particular season, as a freshman, he ended up not having the kind of impact that a lot of people had predicted. So who's going to be that guy that kind of wows some of the, the the fans, and then you start hearing all this buzz about him, but then they end up maybe not necessarily being in the rotation as much as you would think they would be, 
or it could be a little bit different this year. It could be a guy who ends up being heavily involved in the rotation because we expect the rotation to be so deep. I don't think that the first six or seven receivers that are in this competition are all going to be with the first-team offense. So it could be a guy that ends up being a huge contributor in the fall. But who would you predict right now going in for that guy to be? Yeah, several good candidates at the wide receiver spot, several good. But the way that you phrased it, Clint, I think it's perfect because unlike some other years, I think it's going to be a guy that is going to be significant this fall. Uh, I'm I'm really confident in in asserting – two guys that will have big days tomorrow in part because they'll be playing against the second team defense is justice Haynes and Jam Miller, both uh, in particular Haynes, but, but Miller also, I think one of those two is very likely to be the eight day MVP. Uh, they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going up against the second team and tomorrow, Clint, let's just call this a social experiment and say everyone that, that, that listens to our show will be a little bit ahead of the game here. Because you can almost see this coming like 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 a car wreck, you know, four blocks up that you can see perfectly. Look, um, Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams, who don't generate the excitement that the younger backs do because we've seen them play for three years, they're going to play against the first team defense most likely. They'll, they'll be out there against the first team. The yards are harder to come by. You're, you're, you're going up against one of the elite defenses in the SEC and some experienced players and good players. And you can see their production limited for that reason alone. Whereas Haynes and Miller, who are exciting talents, they're going up against a second team defense. And keep in mind, the defense is missing some people. Dallas, Turner, and Braswell are out. A boy be probably limited. Deontay Lawson out. So everybody on the third team, half of those guys get bumped up the second team, half the second team gets bumped up to the first team. It really affects the second team because they're going to have a handful of, honestly, third team guys out there trying to stop Justice Haynes and Jam Miller. So I think Miller and Haynes both will have good days. They'll put up better numbers than Jason Roydell, and it's just going to pour gasoline on the fire of Justice and Jam should be playing and Jason Roydell should not. But the fact of the matter is, Jason Roydell are playing against a much better defense uh, on Saturday, and you need to take that into account before you go too far down that road. Yeah. You know, I actually was talking about the receivers, but I actually love your answer, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I do think that that's important to go ahead and tell people. You need to be expecting both Justice Haynes and Jamarian Miller, Jam Miller, to have a lot of success tomorrow for every reason that you listed. I do think it's important that we note, you know, guys end up getting bumped up. I mean, you're talking about typically it would be Justice Haynes and Roydell Williams going against Quandarius Robinson and uh, Keanu Code. Instead, they're going to be going against Jeremiah Alexander and Quay Russo because those other two guys are going to be playing with the first team defense going against Roydell and, and Jace McClellan. And, and that's just one example. There's a ton of other examples where that's going to be happening. Uh, you're talking about the inside linebackers. Now, there's a lot of competition there. It's possible that Justice Haynes and and uh, Jam end up going against one of the guys that ends up being the starter next to uh, to Deontay Lawson come the fall at inside linebacker. But it's also possible they could be going, be going against second-team guys or third-team guys or whatever. So, yeah, that's a very important to note. Uh, as far as the receivers go, though, because I've kind of been thinking about it to myself. I mean, we've talked about six or seven guys really being in this competition. Six really – but it depends on how you view Emmanuel Henderson. Like, should he be involved in this conversation? I think in some ways he should. I think he's kind of a, a distant seventh, but I would still include him in that group that's competing for some, you know, snaps this fall. 
But when you're looking at that group, I mean, how many of those guys end up being on the first team offense compared to being on the second team? There's got to be some that go to the second team. And Nick Saban did preface this yesterday in the press conference. He did mention that there are going to be some guys who are on the second team who are not really on the second team. And he didn't want anybody to get upset. He was trying to stay ahead of this because he knows that guys are going to be you know, frustrated or whatever. And it's just, there's no reason to, you know, they're going to be involved in the first team or on the first team come the fall. But if there was a receiver, if you had to pick one of them tomorrow, who maybe ends up on like the second team, because we've all, it's like I said, we saw it with John Mechie when he was a freshman. We saw it with the Jai Hall. We saw it with uh, Christian Leary last year, where it's like guys who are going against second team defenders, sometimes third team defenders because of injuries, like you mentioned. They end up having a huge A-Day. The buzz gets created. Everybody thought that Christian Leary was going to be a big part of Alabama's rotation last year. When there was some struggles, people were like, what's going on? Why isn't Christian Leary getting more run? Uh, the year before, it was a Jai Hall. You know, he wasn't doing all the little things that he needed to do, but he put up a really, you know, some acrobatic, impressive catches in A-Day the year before. So fans were wondering where he was at. It's just you always get this. So if you had to pick that one guy, it is a very difficult question because I don't even know. I'm going to let you answer before I give mine and give myself a little bit of time to think, but who would you predict will be that guy tomorrow? Yeah, it's so hard to say without looking at the rosters because I, I don't think rosters are out. If rosters are out, that's news to me. In the last few minutes, I haven't seen a roster. So uh, my long-winded answer would, would be, look, I, I think we have six guys that I consider first-team first, first players, six out there, and, it, and it's uh, Brooks and Burton, who we all know, Corey Brooks, Jermaine Burton. Uh, I, I consider Malik Benson in that group. I think Benson's in that first group already, Malik Benson. And then the the trio of sophomores, Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law, Isaiah Buck. Uh, they all played with the first team last year in games. So there's no reason to think they're not still with the first team now. So I think those six guys, I think any of those six who play with the second team could have a big day because they're going up against lesser players. And any of those six, and I don't know how Coach Saban's going to split that up. I agree with you, Clint. Some of them will be on the second team, but they're not really second team players. And I think it's those guys to pick out one name that I think may be on the second team that I like to have a big game. It might surprise you a little bit. I'll go Kobe Prentice just simply because he's been very productive. He's been productive in scrimmages. He caught 31 balls in the games and he may not be with the first team for shrinking the first team to the top three or four guys. He may not be the top three or four, but he's still very productive. Uh, Bond, I love, but there's still some drops there. I think Bond has to improve the details. I mean, the the, the raw talent to be even a first-round pick is there. But I still think Bond's got a ways to go with the details. I would even go so far, breaking news, I, I would even go so far as saying I'm pretty sure Bond will end up being a four-year college player and not a three-and-done first-round pick like some people projected for him. But uh, Kendrick Law is another great answer because – uh, my uh, sources close to the program say Ken Kendrick Law has had a big, big spring of, of that trio of sophomores. He's been the riser. He's been the, wow, he's really turned a corner here. And we already knew how physical he was. Malik Benson could be that guy. I, I still sort of anticipate him being on the first team, or I might be more adamant that it, it would be Benson because he's capable of a six catch, 130 yard type game. So, my my answer is print my my my, my all encompassing answer is one of those six. <laughs> my answer to be real specific is uh, I'll go Kobe Prentice. And uh, I'm right there with you, man. I'm having a hard time. That's kind of 
we know Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton are probably going to be with the first team. I mean, they're they're veteran guys, they're juniors, they're seniors. I, I mean, I just I don't foresee either one of them working with the second team. Could be wrong, but I would I think we got justifiable reasons to think they're going to be with the first team tomorrow. You know, I think Malik Benson for him, he's like he's a new arrival, like he hadn't seen it on this level. Like he's a JUCO guy, so he's got college experience, but he hadn't seen it on this level. I think any time that you can put him against the absolute best player that you can, you know, a Kool-Aid or a Tyrion Arnold, kind of let him, you know, see what it's try to try to replicate as much as you can to a regular SEC game come the fall. This is going to be their op- last opportunity to do that in a live game situation. Now, they'll have uh, scrimmages in fall camp and stuff, and you'll get plenty of other opportunities behind the scenes, but in front of a crowd, uh, you know, or it's possible that maybe they decide to put him on the second team, even though he's really a first-team guy. Let him, you know, build some confidence by torching some of those growing, developing cornerbacks and let him have a big day and let the excitement and the hype, you know, around him kind of carry a little bit. There's different ways of looking at it. I've been having a hard time. Part of me thinks Bond is going to be that one that's with the first team. Part of me thinks that Kendrick Law, if he's in fact really climbed like he has and he's gotten involved really early, like I don't think he was necessarily with the starters in the last scrimmage, but if he wasn't, he was in there super quickly and he was making some big plays. So I would probably say that four of the six, like the four, six main is going to be on the first team, if I had to guess. And then the two, and then also I think Emmanuel Henderson will be a starter on the second team, if I had to guess as well. I think that's kind of how they split it. So I've been trying to decide, you know, we're just predicting we're probably way off here. I mean, it's just, we I don't know what Nick Saban's thinking or his motivations behind any of it, but it is fun to, you know, speculate a little bit and try to make some guesses and see who ends up being right. I think Kendrick Law was a great, uh, if he ends up being on the second team, he would probably be my number one choice. I'm fairly confident outside of the fact that Kobe Prentice is more of a slot guy and Emmanuel Henderson is more of a slot guy. And I think Emmanuel's going to be with that group. I could be wrong. So maybe it won't be Prentice, but I think Prentice is a good option. I think he's a safe option. I mean, if he ends up being on the second team and he runs out of the slot a ton, quarterbacks are normally comfortable with their slot guys. It's the check downs. It's the easy stuff. And I think that, you know, with whether it be Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, either one, you know, that could end up being a big time player in this type of setting. But I am excited about the fact that last year there was it was rain. It didn't present a lot of conditions for the offense to have success. And it kind of made it a little bit of a slow, boring A-Day game for your average typical fan. This year, the weather's supposed to be good. I think it's supposed to rain today, but then clear out and actually make it a little bit cooler tomorrow. But it's supposed to be sunshine tomorrow, the last I checked. The fact that you got several key defenders who were out. You know, last year you had a lot of offensive linemen who were out that were kind of pushing guys up the depth chart. And then they were having to go against Will Anderson and Chris Braswell. And it just, like I said, the combination of factors from last year made it where A-Day wasn't all that exciting. I think this year could be a little bit different. Well, quarterbacks, quarterbacks are going to make it. And, and, and again, we don't, we don't know as we sit here and record this show, maybe by the time you guys are listening to it, y'all know more than we do in terms of maybe rosters will, will be released later today. They have been in the past. Uh, we don't know who the quarterback situation is going to be. Here's my guess, my and it is just a guess. Uh, I think on the white offense, which which, which is the, the, first, the first team offense or has been in the past, uh, I think Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow will both be on the first team. I, I, I think Nick Saban wants to present to the kids first and foremost, and to the fans secondly, that this is an even competition and that both are considered our first team quarterbacks as of right now. So I think both will be on the white splitting reps, which is fine in terms of the message it sends. 
I would criticize it or, or critique that decision a little bit by saying, yeah, but now they're going to get less reps in a game type situation. If one of them was on the other team, they would get a lot more reps. But if, if that's the case, then the Crimson team will be uh, the Crimson offense that will have Justice Haynes and Jam Miller, potential MVPs, Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Laws, you pick. Uh, you know, that'll be quarterback by Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein, which is a little bit of a disadvantageous for those wide receivers, a little bit. But but I'll say, based on what we hear, I think even though it's their first A days and they're, they're kids that are supposed to be in the 12th grade back home, I think both Holstein and Lonergan will be capable of nice days if they get protection. If they get protection and have time, I think both of them could really show out. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, Clint, if either one of them, particularly Lonergan, I started being more vocal about this yesterday, and I'm going to continue to be. I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm buying stock in Dylan Lonergan. Buy stock in Lonergan now, because at some point in the future, it's going to be too expensive. But right now, it's a good buy, and uh, starting tomorrow, it might be when the price goes up. And uh, by the way, I went into the spring. Uh, honestly, I would put Holstein ahead of Lonergan in terms of my own personal, like, hey, who's going to be really good? Uh, I like both. I did like both, but I like Holstein a little more. Uh, based on what I hear, um, I flopped that. You know, I, I think Lonergan's actually made the quicker adjustment, and and and, and I think it's due to the competition he played against in high school is, is the real reason. Uh, playing outside the perimeter in Atlanta, you, you're playing against the best high school talent in America week in, week out, and I think it helped Lonergan with the learning curve. So uh, I, I think that's a big factor, too, in all of this is, is the quarterback. That's why it's going to be exciting. I think all four quarterbacks will do things, Clint, that will get some fans excited about all four. I also think Milrow and Simpson both will make enough mistakes, both, to dampen expectations for the program as a whole. And, uh, you know, I, I think one quarterback is likely to get criticized more than the other, regardless of what happens, <laughs> because so many people have made up their mind about him. But I, I would encourage everyone to uh, flush everything you've thought in the past and and why because it doesn't matter. Jalen Milrow Saturday is the Jalen Milrow of spring of 2023. He's not the fall of 2022. These kids change. They improve. They get better. Some regress. Some do. But we're gonna we're deciding who's going to be the quarterback based on what they are right now, not what they were last year. Right. Yeah. And I originally agreed with your point like I, it was something that i thought of before i think i had brought it up on a previous show as far as you know because they wear black non-contact jerseys you can kind of mix and match the quarterbacks both get them involved with the first team and second team i'm kind of wondering if that's actually going to be the case i hope that it is you know and i think nick saban's comments a lot of people took it towards the quarterbacks uh the comments that he had yesterday where he talked about two things a We've got first-team guys that are going to be going with the second team because it get, presents us with more of an opportunity to, to maximize these guys' reps. And so, you know, I immediately thought of, like, the receivers, the defensive line, the running backs, positions like that. A lot of people took that and was like quarterback. Um, you know, you got to put one on the second team. You got to put one on the first team. So Nick Saban's trying to head this off and make sure whoever ends up on the second team doesn't think I'm out of this quarterback battle and want to transfer or something. I think that that's certainly a possibility. But I also think that between that and then him saying that they had like a draft with the staff. And I mean, it was all the way down to like the recruiting guys, you know, that that are not even involved with anything on the field. Like everybody in that building is on one team or the other. 
And if you want to win or if you want steak and, and you want a tablecloth and you want all the, you know, potatoes and all that stuff, Nick Saban said, you got to win. And so are the quarterbacks the exception to that? Is it a situation where they, they drew a name out of a hat and one of them ends up, you know, technically on the Crimson team, one ends up on the white, but yet they're, they're mixing and matching, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but that does make me believe that it's possible that they do end up splitting them up. And if they do, I would assume Jalen Milrow is going to be with the first team and uh, Ty Simpson is going to be with the second team. That does not mean that there's it's seniority at that point. And I mean, it's good because both quarterbacks, due to the depth of receiver, a lot of their weapons are going to be guys that they're going to be seeing on Saturdays in the fall. If it ends up being Ty Simpson, you know, he's going to have guys that he's throwing to tomorrow that will be in that first team rotation. So it's not like he's not getting reps with guys he's, he's going to be playing with. So, you know, I will be curious to see how it all ends up working out. That's what makes this so exciting. There, like I said, there's so many storylines to look at from the fact that you're getting a lot of true freshmen making an immediate impact. I think that that's very healthy. It's good uh, because it's not like th- this is being done in a necessity. I think it's been done, you know, Justice Haynes, he's in a, a crowded room and he's forcing his way onto the field. Caleb Downs, maybe not as much, but I still think that there's enough veteran guys in the room where he's become an immediate impact player because of his play on the field. So I think that that's very healthy. Um, let's talk a little bit about transfer quarterbacks. That new cycle has kind of passed. All the excitement yesterday with potentially uh, Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback, potentially transferring in. You know, We don't know how much those rumors were legitimate on Alabama's side. I think we're both in agreement that you know a lot of it could have been coming from his side, his agent in particular, trying to kind of leverage and negotiate. You never know what's going on behind the scenes, but how do you think Alabama feels about their quarterback room right now? And do you think it's possible that they could end up pursuing a transfer portal quarterback? Yeah, as I say this all the time, so I, I guess people get numb or deaf to it because I say it all the time, but with me, the portal is all about who. It's all about who. I think there's this idea that fans, that some fans have that when you need a kid out of the portal, y'all, you have a meeting and they're like, you know, we need an upgrade at running back. Uh, somebody go look at all the running backs in the portal and uh, and let's pick one out. That That's not how that works at all. It's not even close to how that works, even though that, I think that's the general perception of how it works. To me, it's the who. I think, you know, as, as to a Tyler Van Dyke, hey, look, Tommy Reese knows the kid from recruiting him. Uh, Kevin Steele coached this kid a year ago. Charlie Strong's on the Alabama staff. He coached this kid a year ago or was on the staff that coached the kid. There were connections to Tyler Van Dyke, who happens to be a top 10, in my opinion, top 10, top 15 at the worst in terms of who were the best quarterbacks in college football. I think a lot of things can be true at once. And, and 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 just because one thing's true doesn't mean something else is false. And by that, what I mean is I think if Alabama was interested, it had a lot to do not with we need a better quarterback. I think it had to do with Tyler Van Dyke. Here's a guy who's really good and proven, who can improve the roster, and we sort of know the kid. We, we, we've got guys that have been on the staff with us. We know this guy, and I think he can make us better. I don't think people should look at Alabama's interest in Tyler Van Dyke, if there was any, but that's Van Dyke specific, you know? Hey, I'll give you a couple of names. If if Alabama, want, and, and this, this is what I mean by Van Dyke specific, it, 
if Alabama is like, we've got to, we've got to improve the quarterback. We're just not good enough. I'll give you one silly name and one real name. Just and and, and you're not hearing this. How about, how about Bo Nix? I mean, how about Bo Nix? Bo Nix is rated, by the way, very similarly to where Tyler Van Dyke is, a potential first round pick. He's on Heisman list. He's extremely experienced. He's played in the league. We have coaches that know him. But you're not hearing Bo Nix associated with Alabama. And that's because Alabama's not really in the quarterback market. Not really. They they did have, you know, apparently or maybe some connection to Van Dyke. They also have connections to Nix, but you don't hear that. And so people want, well, I know Alabama fans are like, well, this kid sucks. I doubt Alabama's staff has that same opinion. And again, we're talking about a Heisman candidate who's been a four-year starter in college football who's getting NFL looks. Here's a more realistic name that we don't hear. O'Reilly Leonard at Duke, who is an experienced quarterback. He's starting to pop up on, hey, this is an NFL player. He's athletic. He's from the state of Alabama. He is probably the third or fourth best quarterback in the ACC going into his junior season. A lot more experience in Milrow, a lot more experience in Ty Simpson. You don't hear that name. And why? Because Alabama's not immersing themselves in the we've got to find a quarterback. So I'm not as down on the quarterback. I don't think just because you heard Alabama's name associated with Tyler Van Dyke, that does not mean that Nick Saban and Tommy Reese are going, oh, no, we can't win with what we got. You know, I think people sometimes get wrapped up. Part of me thinks that it could be something as simple as Tyler Reese, he sees what his system is or what he wants his system to be. And he, I think he envisioned this a little bit at Notre Dame. And then now that he's got access to all these resources at, at Alabama, you've got all kinds of different talent. You can build whatever offense you really want at Alabama. You know, you're going to be able to attract the style of player that you want and, and really build it. You, you don't have the limitations like you do at other places, including Notre Dame, just from a recruiting standpoint. He didn't have nearly the same amount of resources as far as available talent to him and what he can do with it. Like they're recruiting a certain style of receiver, which are the bigger body guys. I mean, you can't run all this RPO timing based, take a, a quick slant all the way to the house. Like all the, these different kind of things or elements that you might want in your offense, it's difficult to do when you have, you know, limited resources as far as talent is concerned. It could simply be that he was looking at Tyler Van Dyke and he saw this guy is perfect for what I want. He's got the really strong arm, great on the play action stuff, big body guy who can kind of take a little bit of a beating. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's Ben Roethlisberger, but a lot of Ben's, I mean, if you go back and watch him at Miami of Ohio, he wasn't nearly as big as he got with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He became a tank in Pittsburgh, but he was that, you know, he was a lot more Tyler Van Dyke in college where he could kind of take a big lick and somehow find, you know, eat it and continue to roll and, and things like that. Um, you know, so it could have just been, this is a guy who, you know, Reese thought could, would fit his system perfectly and could execute. And one thing that Nick Saban said, we like the talent and the guys around our quarterbacks. And so if you find that, if you have this guy who could potentially come available, you hear that Tyler Van Dyke is not happy with his current situation, which was NIL related. And you're over here like, man, I mean, this guy could operate the system to perfection. And we have all the pieces that, you know, we could put around him to give him a chance to be successful. I think that that would have been appealing. And for Alabama fans that look at what he did last year, 
you know, if they would have pursued it, let's say Bryce Young leaves before this past year um, after winning the Heisman and Tyler Van Dyke comes available after what he showed the year before, fans are are pretty excited about him, right? I mean, it, it, that period. It's because he didn't have the kind of season that a lot of people wanted him to this past year. Offensive coordinator related, his offensive line was terrible. He's not Bryce Young where he's going to be able to create, you know, a ton on his own. He needs to have help from his offensive line. And sometimes it's just system, guys. And I don't think people realize that. Like Michael Penix Jr. was not Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana. He he showed flashes. He was a good player. But he wasn't leading the country in passing like he hasn't watched in this past year. Bo Nix was not Bo Nix at Auburn. Not the Bo Nix you see today. Hendon Hooker was not Hendon Hooker. This Hendon Hooker that we see at Virginia Tech. Like all three of those guys were just guys, you know, they transfer into those programs and they were, okay, they're good players. You know, they're, they're, they're serviceable quarterbacks. They'll be involved in that competition, but no one thought, oh my gosh, we're getting one of the best quarterbacks in the country. All three of those guys were three of the best quarterbacks in the country because they found systems that fit their skill set and played to their strengths properly and it allowed them to be successful. And so when, you know, I was seeing fans completely down on Tyler Van Dyke and I'm like, Hey, if you want to make this argument from the perspective of we don't want to rock the confidence of our current guys, like we shouldn't be pursuing somebody, that's totally fine. But to look at Tyler Van Dyke and say this guy's trash, I thought that was a, a pretty terrible take, if I'm speaking candidly. I think he's got a lot of potential. I, I couldn't agree more with, with that. I, I, I do think that a lot of fans, and I know, you know we, we work in this industry, so we're, we're immersed in football all day, not just Alabama football, but football all day. And I think you know, we're going to be pretty familiar with Tyler Van Dyke and his story. And, and it's not, it's understandable that someone that has a full-time job as an accountant out there that can't just, that's an Alabama fan can't spit out the Tyler Van Dyke life story. Uh, I, I think too many people made a surface judgment of him based on what Miami's record was last exactly. season. Like, there's six, they lost to middle Tennessee. They're six and six. That kid's terrible. You haven't seen him play healthy. You haven't seen him help when, when he was a sophomore, you know, the year before he he was he was on a lot of radars, and uh, and 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 now he's older, and and like you said, Clint, I think the system, the Gaddis, he's playing behind an offensive line that I've heard through analytics was ranked lower than 100 out of 131 FBS schools. Miami's offensive line was like, look, that's why they went and got Javion Cohen and signed five stars with big NIL deals and got a couple other transfers. They they blew it up and started over on the offensive line, they were so bad. So you can't make a real judgment of Tyler Van Dyke, who's injured playing behind a bad offensive line. Uh, you know, he, he would have thrived at Alabama. It is not an indictment on Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow to think, you know who would improve us? Tyler Van Dyke. That's got nothing to do with Ty and Jalen. That, 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 all that means is Tyler Van Dyke isn't just a better player. He's two years older than those kids. He's played in 15 college football games. He's, He's older. He, he's he, he's ready to win. Ty and Jalen are ready to get experience. Uh, Tyler's just ready to go. They just saw him as, what does Nick always say? If we find somebody that can improve our roster, Tyler Van Dyke was going to improve the Alabama roster. It was not a panic move. A panic move is taking the Oral Roberts quarterback, who, by the way, is a good player. He's a good player, but he's a quarterback at Oral Roberts. He, I mean, I, I, I'm saying Oral Roberts, uh, Old Dominion. Yeah, uh, I knew, yeah. yeah, yeah, Old Dominion. That's a panic move. He's a good player, but that would be hey, if we're taking that kid, 
to me, that's Nick Saban and Tommy Reese saying, we can't win with what we got. We got to try something else. But Tyler Van Dyke, that's different. That's like, boy, we need a better running back. You know who's good? B. John Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> Jameer Gibbs is the perfect example. Exactly. Was- great, great example. Yeah, I mean, it was he was a guy that, like, even when he first entered the portal, a lot of the interest initially came from Gibbs' side, saying, hey, I would love to play at Alabama. And then Alabama's like, man, this guy's really good. Like, we, we felt pretty good about our running back room, but, I mean, all right, now we'll, we'll take him. You know, and then they built the offense kind of around him and his skill set, and we've talked about that at length. We're not going to dive into that. But, yeah, th- these kind of things happen a lot. And so I don't think that fans should freak out about it. Nick Saban's wanting to put Alabama in the best position to be successful. And we know that he's very respectful of, of locker room dynamics. We know that he's very respectful of the seniority factor. On one side, you got people that argue this cat shouldn't be playing some of the, the guys that he plays. Like there's younger, better players who might be, not have the experience, but they're better players. And so we got to get better play out of some of these positions, throw them out there. But Nick Saban respects the seniority factor too much. But then you think that he hadn't thought about the fact, oh, man, what does it mean if you're going to get Tyler Van Dyker trying to go pursue him? You know, as far as Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, you're going to ruin them in their development or their confidence or whatever. It's like if you don't think he hadn't thought about that and weighed those options, like if that ends up happening, he's probably talked to those guys. There's a, there's a method behind the madness. I mean, we've talked about this guy playing 3D chess for the better part of close, you know, two decades. And, you know, we're going to act like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's making a huge critical mistake. I'm not saying that he's above making mistakes, but I'm saying that if you don't think that he hadn't thought about some of these things, I think that's a little bit naive. It's going to be okay, I really think. You know, so very quickly, we only got about four minutes left. Who were a couple of guys that you're really excited to watch tomorrow during A-Day? Caleb Downs. Uh, you know, is he going to be on the first team Crimson defense? I believe so. I believe he will be, and that's amazing. Can't wait to see him play in a game-like situation. Uh, Earl Little, uh, you know, a redshirt freshman, not a freshman. We didn't see Earl play last year. Now he's apparently – getting reps with the first team in nickel corner. I think that's really exciting. So those younger defensive players, how about James Smith? Uh, I think we'll probably see him with the second team. But, uh, hey, that gives him a better chance to make an impact on the game. He's going up against the second offensive line and not the first. So, you know, those young guys, James Smith, Earl Little, Caleb Downs, because for our defense to go from good to great, we need more great players. And and, and uh, there's, I think some have shown up. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I'm excited to watch the guys you mentioned, Justice Haynes, Caleb Downs, Nick Saban gave him a ton of praise yesterday, James Smith, Caden Proctor, Elijah Pritchett is a second-year guy who I'm really excited to see how he's doing at left tackle. want to see how C.J. Dupree is making the adjustment to Alabama. What's the role of the tight ends tomorrow? Are they heavily involved in the passing game, or are they still playing a complementary role? Is Alabama kind of keeping some things under wraps? I'm sure they are. Uh, but just, you know, how are they using their tight ends? You know, the, the the wide receiver rotation, who ends up with the first team? I mean, really the tight ends, you know, you're talking about Amari Nablock and Danny Lewis. Like, I want to see how Danny Lewis has progressed because he's created some buzz. But I also want to see, you know, Amari Nablock, how he's used. Do they use him in the red zone? Uh, all these different things. But then you got, you know, the, the inside linebacker competition. How is Jihad Campbell used? What does Tresman Marshall look like? Justin Jefferson is a guy that I've been extremely high on, but haven't heard a whole lot of buzz out of him so far. So how does he look? I think, you know, you mentioned that someone had told you that he looks a little bit small. Uh, but then you got Earl Little, who I, I cannot wait to watch him at star. One of my favorite players on this roster, regardless of position. 
Really have high hopes for this guy. Very scrappy, tenacious defensive back. Uh, cannot wait to see how he's performing there at star. But Caleb Downs and just the praise that he's earned from Nick Saban, he can be a transformative piece for this defense. And just because he can kind of mask a lot of your deficiencies and issues, maybe from last year. And I talked about this in a recent piece, but you know, uh, against Tennessee, um, you know, that if you have him in there for DeMarco Hellams, how much different does things look as far as their success, Tennessee's success, of what you kind of could have taken away from them? And we'll talk about more about that later, you know, after we get to watch him on, on Saturday, maybe the, the, the recap of A Day. But Jimmy, um, appreciate you hopping on here with me and getting everybody uh, one more episode this week. Uh, we're going to be back on Monday. We're continuing to roll this whole BAM on three show train. And then we got some exciting stuff coming up in the future. So definitely stay tuned for that. But Jimmy, once again, appreciate you hopping on here, brother. Enjoy the game on Saturday. I know I am. Absolutely, brother. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening in. Once again, this is the BAM on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.